Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today, we have the unique privilege of speaking with a woman who is making a global statement in the church, Hannah Gron- Gronowski. <laughs> Is a speaker, preacher, author, and founder and CEO of Generation Distinct. She was featured on Kate Warman's Heart of Dating Conference and so many more engagements and is just amazing. Y'all help me welcome Miss Hannah Granowski. Hannah, I said I wasn't going to butcher your last name and I did it anyway. That's good. You nailed it the second time. The funny thing is, is you started to say Gronkowski, which honestly, I get that a lot. People often question, ask me, are you related to the football player? And I say, unfortunately, I'm not. But Lacking a K for that. <laughs> no, I love it so much. And it's funny because we just had that conversation, but I'm not <laughs> even going to edit that out. We're keeping it. <laughs> so, yes. So first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to just join me and have this conversation. I'm super thrilled to have you on. And you've been busy over this pandemic. <laughs> it seems like you've been everywhere. Like I mentioned before, you were on Kate Warman's conference. You've been speaking at a lot of different church events. Can you explain to us kind of the backbone of what you do? What is Generation yeah. Distinct? Absolutely. Absolutely. So as as you mentioned, it's been it's been a busy season. Um, but what I always say is, man, I I'm just a woman who truly, truly desires to live a life that matters. And I don't think I'm the only young leader that longs for that. And so mm. that's really the idea that Generation Distinct is built on, that young leaders want to live a life that matters. And we want to show them how. So I am the CEO and founder of Generation Distinct. Um, officially, we are about three years old at this point as an organization. And really, um, what we do is we exist to equip young leaders mm-hmm. to discover the wrong they were born to make right and leading them to experience who Jesus really is. We do that through a four-step online journey and experience that young leaders can go on to discover their own custom world change strategy and be sent out to truly change the world. Um, But I'm also a speaker. I'm an author. I'm a podcast host myself and just really believe that there is something God wants to do in the lives and souls of this generation. And I am always humble whenever I get to use my voice to share a message. I believe God has given me for this generation. That is so awesome. And you mentioned there's four steps that you take in this. Could you explain a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yes. So we created this four step journey as this, this guide, this journey that young leaders can take to go from this place in our lives where we so often can find ourselves where we want to change the world, right? We want to live a life that, that impacts others. We want to be known as somebody who fights for justice and stands up for what is right. We have Mm -hmm. a lot of passion, right? But Mm -hmm. so often we find ourselves stuck in this space between passion Mm -hmm. and actually doing something about the injustice in the world and actually doing something to change the world and leave a lasting impact. And the thing that needs to happen in that gap is we need to find some strategy. When we place some strategy in that gap, we go from just being passionate people to be actually world changing kinds of leaders. And so that's really what the Generation Sync Fourth of Dream does is it equips young leaders with a strategy that that they can use to actually see wrong things made right in the world. 
Come on. And yeah. your new book is fully titled Generation Distinct, Discover the Wrong You Were Born to Make Right. Where did that message come from? I feel like when I was getting ready for this interview, listening to your messages and just hearing over and over again that truth, discover the wrong you were born to make right. When did that message come to you? Yeah, I mean, I I had the privilege of growing up in a um, environment that really made following Jesus attractive. And I know that might sound weird to some people, but I, I think so often following Jesus, you know, can seem weird or can seem religious or stifling, but I was just gifted with parents who showed off what it looked like to live a life following Jesus. They were chain breakers in their family. So they were new to it. And so they had the energy and the passion around it. I was in a church that was creative and exciting, gave me lots of opportunities at a young age. And so I loved following Jesus. And so when I was 16, I was ready to go all in. And I remember praying this prayer and just saying, all right, Jesus, I'm in like completely fully. You can have my life. Let's do this thing. And that prayer really sparked this desire for me to discover, man, what am I supposed to do with my life? What happens now? I was always someone who searched for adventure. I've always been somebody who has this lust for life that wants to do things to the max, to the full. And I thought, what, what does this mean now? What, what, what am I going to do with my life that will leave a lasting legacy? Mm. And I started doing all this research on injustice and what's wrong in the world and what does Jesus have to say about it and what can I do? What am I supposed to do with my one and only life? And I asked that question. I was praying that over and over, God, what do you want me to do? And I felt like he was being honestly relatively silent for a few months. And then it kind of all culminated on this, on this day at this moment, I was 16 and sitting on the couch in my parents' house at the time and I was reading this book that presented a lot of major injustices in the world. And as I read through these injustices, man, my heart just started to break deeper and deeper and deeper. And I had seen some of them up close. I had, I had observed them. Um, but as I started to read, I just I started realizing, man, I have passion around a lot of these injustices. I would read a chapter about human trafficking and think, oh my goodness, this is my passion. I'm gonna go save all the girls out of human trafficking, right? And then I turned the page and be about orphans across the world. And I would think, Oh no, no, never mind. I'm going to go save all the orphans. Right. And then I turn the page to me about homelessness across America. And I would think, Oh no, no, I'm going to go save all the homeless people like tomorrow. Right. (laughs) And so needless to say, I got to the end of the book and actually was way more confused than I was when I started. Sure. I felt like I was sitting there with this question in my soul of saying once more, God, what do you want me to do? What does this mean for my life? And it was in that moment, I felt God give me my first really clear impression on my life. And I don't want to over-spiritualize it. It wasn't this booming voice. It wasn't a writing on a wall. It was kind of just this soul level um, prompting impression. I felt God was saying to me, Hannah, you're not called to solve all of the injustice in this world. Instead, I want to use you to empower a generation to solve injustice in this world. Mm. And in so doing, you'll have a greater impact. And so I ran up to my little bedroom at the time and I had a whiteboard in my room. I started drawing out all these ideas and plans for what it could be like if I could use my life to actually equip my generation to not just know what they're passionate about, but to actually build strategy with that, that passion and see wrong things made right in this world. And so that's really where the spark of this vision came to be. 
That's amazing. And so you were 16 at the time. You went and wrote it on the right whiteboard. It put you <laughs> on this journey, mm-hmm. um, which how old are you now? I'm 25. You're 25. So you're still so young and you have this vision down pat. You're 25. Your first book is coming out okay. on the 15th. That's it's right. phenomenal. Like God is doing all this work through you, but mm-hmm. it was a process. That's right. right? So That's right. you had all these different passions. You wanted to help every single person, but God gave you that one thing. He gave you that one thing to focus on. And mm-hmm. for that 16 year old, or maybe even that 65 year old that's listening to this and they're still caught up on that seven different things they want to do in their life. What's your recommendation for them? Because I know it wasn't an overnight flip the switch thing for you. You kind of had to venture into that one thing. What's your piece of advice for people that may be struggling with that right now? Yes. I think what is the blessing and the curse of this generation is there's so much opportunity, right? There, there's so many things we could do with our lives Um, But we look around and because we're a social media generation, we can see the lives of so many people and we think everyone's an instant success, right? Mm. I mean, people could look at my life and say, oh, she has a book at 25. That's really awesome and impressive. But this this journey didn't start five months ago or two Mm -hmm. weeks ago. This started, you know, nine years ago when I had a vision and there were sacrifices I made five years ago you know, as a 20 year old and, and three years ago. And then I started writing the book two years ago and thought this day would never come. And so no, first of all, no one is an in overnight success. Um, if somebody is doing something that seems to be making a difference, it's because there's been work that's been done behind the scenes, late nights, early morning sacrifices that have been made. And I, I'm guilty of that. I can look at other people who have more books than me or bigger organizations or seem to be making more impact. I could say, man, if I could just be like that, but then yeah. I have to catch myself saying, man, if I want to get there, it means I have to continue to do the work today to get me to where God has called me to be. So that's, wow. that's the first thing. But also I would say a lot of us agree that we want to be known as people who are difference makers, right? We yeah. want to be the people who are known as, as those who fight for justice and speak out for truth and, and really are making wrong things right in the world. But if anyone were to actually examine the way that we're living our lives, very often they'd see nothing that actually shows us putting any work to see that become a reality, right? I always talk about this idea. I talk about this in the book um, that when I first started rock climbing, I I really like rock climbing. When I first started rock climbing, um, I remember kind of going up and and putting on my gear and it was very awkward because when you start anything new, it's totally awkward (laughs) and weird, right? And so I was putting on my harness and thought this feels really weird. Are the the straps in the right place? Are my legs in the right holes? Like what's going on here? Are the carabiners strapped in, right? And as I put the shoes on, they're they're very small shoes that you can fit into the crevices, right? And I thought these shoes feel really awkward. And so I'm waddling around the rock climbing gym feeling so strange and awkward, right? And it can look like I was a climber, right? It could look like I was a awesome individual who was gifted at climbing, who had been doing that for years. But at the end of the day... I wasn't a climber until I actually walked up to the wall and put my hands on the holds and began to climb. And so often we want to be the people that are known for fighting for justice without actually changing anything about the way we're living our lives. And if we want to create lasting change, we actually have to start 
doing something. It doesn't mean you have to have the entire strategy before you take this first step. It doesn't mean you have to know where you want to be in 20 years. It just means you have to start doing something. And I I talk about that a lot in the book, this idea of just do something. It doesn't mean you have to go sell all your possessions and move across the globe and work with refugees in a refugee camp. Maybe it just means you volunteer with the refugee organization in your own neighborhood and start to welcome the people who are different from you. Or maybe it just means that you start volunteering at your church, or maybe it means you actually get to know the homeless man who you see on the corner every single day. Or maybe it means you actually care for the widow in your own family. I don't know what it is for you, for the listeners, but what I do know is that if we want to be people who are actually fighting for justice, who are making wrong things right in the world, it starts by just doing something. And you do rock climbing a lot now, correct? (laughs) I mean, not as much as I would like to. And I live in Chicago, which does make it a little bit difficult. Um, But I I do enjoy it. My my favorite time, and I talk about this in the book as well, is is when my friend took me rock climbing in uh, Portland, Oregon. And Mm -hmm. uh, man, that was that was one of the best experiences of my life. That's like one of those extreme sports, but yet it's so random to hear. It's like, (laughs) huh, wonder how that got started. I know, I know. Now, when you were on this path, defining yeah. who you were, did you ever struggle with like um, social media? Not, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say hypocrisy, but just like jealousy, like seeing people that have more followers than you had more this, that, and the other, like keeping up with the Joneses, I guess is what yeah. you would call it. Did you ever struggle with that? Oh no, never. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, absolutely. Absolutely. I think everyone have. I I honestly think if somebody claims that they never struggle with that comparison, they're not being honest because let's be, let's be really real. There is always going to be someone who's more impressive, who's got better fashion, who has more followers, who travels to cooler places, who has a better relation. I mean, there is always going to be somebody who has what you think you want. And I I will be honest, I struggle with it probably every single day. We live in a social media world and I have to check myself on a daily basis and say, Mm. man, am I, am I gathering my worth from, from what the world celebrates or from what Jesus celebrates? And I actually talk about this a little bit in the book too, that sometimes we can, we can work so hard to, to, to achieve the success the world tells us will bring us fulfillment and we work and we build and we hustle and we go. And then we wake up one day and we realize there is nothing about all the things we've achieved that brings any more level of fulfillment. And if we look in the Bible, if we look at the teachings of Jesus, he lays it out really, really clear what success is. And it's actually the complete opposite of what the world celebrates. It's not the perfectly Pinterest house, right? It's not the perfectly curated meals. It's not the perfectly, you know, created outfit. No, no, no. There is a, a, um, a definition of success that Jesus, Jesus lays out for us. Mm. And if we really want to find a life that matters, it's not the life that social media projects. It's not the life that social media celebrates. It's a life that is truly submitted to a mission that's greater than ourselves. And and in the book, I kind of dive even deeper into what that really is. That's beautiful. And you said people are looking for a life that matters when it comes down to it. Like even now we're in September, it's suicide prevention month, right? So 
a lot of people, even today, scrolling through Twitter, I put up a suicide prevention tweet and mm-hmm. somebody commented, I really wish I could believe that I had something about me that mattered in this world. Wow. When you yeah. see things like that and you hear people say that, and even for listeners that are listening right now and maybe struggling with those suicidal ideations, what yeah. would what would you say to them? Yeah, man. First of all, I'm going to say, I don't have the answer for you. I'm not going to pretend that I'm this expert that I have the degrees or anything to solve your problems. First of all, find somebody who actually has the wisdom to share, be humble, go and get the help you need. That's first of all. Um, But after that, I would, I would say, um, yeah, suicide and um, suicidal ideation um, that, that hits really close for me. Um, It's not something that I, specifically have have had to face at this point in my journey um but there's been many people very close to me um some of the people i love the most in this world who have struggled with suicidal suicidal ideation um but also um one of the people i love the most um actually decided to take take his own life mm. and that was about that was 5 years ago in april and i can honestly say um that if I could go back and tell that person one thing, I would say, um, man, (laughs) there is no last minute additions when it comes to God's plan for the world. There's no extra puzzle pieces. There's no, um, accidental ads. There is a beautiful plan that God has laid out for this world And for a very beautiful, important reason, God put your name in that plan. Mm. And I believe it is the greatest joy of our lives to discover. And what is that peace? What is that beautiful gift that I was called to bring to the world? The wrong you were born to make right. It's not just some big injustice where it's not, doesn't have to be this big, you know, um, platform you have. It might be the wrong that you see in your own neighborhood. It might be the, the child in your house that you need to love. You've been called to that. It might be the neighbor. It might be the friend. It might be somebody in your direct vicinity who needs the unique thing that you have. And so, wow, don't miss the opportunity to play that role Um, because the world needs you. The world needs the unique and beautiful gift that you have to offer. God bless us with something when you agreed to this interview. Goodness Mm -hmm. gracious. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) wow, that's awesome. And and honestly, Trevor, thanks for asking that question. Um, It's not something I honestly talk about a lot. um, on any of my platforms, not because I don't want to, it's just not something I have yet. And, um, but I will say, I know that personally it, everyone has been impacted with, by suicide at this Mm. point, right? Somebody that they love, somebody that they know, somebody that looked up to even, um, someone in their school, someone in their neighborhood. And so when we talk about it, um, there is so much freedom that comes. And I've, I've held the girl, the hands of so many young girls who have finally opened up that they've struggled with it. And mm. I can look at them and say, I, 
I understand. I know someone, there was someone I love who struggled with the same things. Like you're not abnormal, but you have to speak about it. You have to bring it up. You have to tell someone. And I've been able to hold hands with girls and say, Hey, we're going to fight through this together. And today they are women that are, that are impacting other women and using their lives for something that actually matters and lasts. And so I also just want to add, make sure to tell somebody don't Mm. fight this by yourself because um, that's not how we were created to fight this. So make sure, make sure to open, open your mouth and find someone that you, that you can really be honest with. That's so beautiful. And your kind of people you refer to as the wild, the risky and the rebels. I know when people are building a personal brand or maybe even an organization, they find their people. Where did you come to the conclusion that your people were the wild, the risky and the rebels? Cause I (laughs) love that personally. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I think that's just who I am. And Mm. so I think when I thought about who my people are, that was just who I am. And honestly, to my core, sometimes I feel way more myself when I'm out climbing mountains and dancing in the car during car trips and um, being a little bit wild, being a little bit risky um, and being a rebel. I just, I really, and I say this in the book too, it's Man, I'm over the boring and bland version of life. I hate being reduced to the label religious because I just believe that my life is not this boring blend of rules and regulations that come from religion. It's actually a beautiful adventure that comes from following the most influential individual who has ever stepped foot on this planet, and that's Jesus Christ himself. And so um, I think when I, yeah, when I say wild and the risky and the rebels, man, that is just the life that I love to live. And it's the life that I believe a lot of our generation is looking to live as well. And part of my heartbeat is, is I want to just tell people, Hey, if that's you as well, if you're the wild, if you're the risky, if you're the rebels, you actually don't have to walk away from Jesus in order to find that life. In fact, I believe the most wild, the most risky, the most rebellious kind of life is found in following after again the most influential person who has ever existed the one who started a movement thousands of years ago that still exists to this day um man i i love following jesus and i believe the most wild the most risky the most rebel rebellious people are actually the ones that are following jesus with everything they've got Oh, I love that so much. And when you started speaking on stage, was that a process you had to go through? Did you have stage anxiety or anything? I know when I first started, it was so, so, so intimidating. And even to this day, like whether it's a summer festival or just concerts and such, like when I'm about to go out there, I still get that adrenaline. Even before podcast episodes, I'm like, all right, let's go. Like, I got to hype myself up. Like, let's get it going. Um, Do some burpees or something just because because I have those butterflies in my stomach (laughs) and even struggling with panic attacks. Like that's still a thing for me. So like God's called me to this, but you know, just like an athlete has to practice for their calling to be an athlete. Like I have to practice my mental strategies, how I'm going to call them a panic attack, how I'm going to fight through anxiety and such. Was that a thing for you? Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I started like, not performing, but I was, I grew up in theater, which is somewhat Would have funny. Never guessed that. I always, <laughs> it's actually funny because I never really, like, I haven't done theater in so long now that it, mm-hmm. it kind of feels like this strange, distant memory, but it was a big part of my life. 
I mean, since I was five years old, I was raised by a woman who, like my mother, is such a like a theater buff. She's amazing, most creative human I know. Um, but she directed theater all while I was in high school, and and so I was in some of her productions, and um, just loved the 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 idea of telling a story. Mm. And so I think that when I um, you know, I did theater from five through 17 years old. I was on dance teams. And then I, I, I fell all through that, that I loved this idea of telling a story. Um, and so when I got to be around 17 and I realized that I could use the same idea of telling a story, but, but tell a story that I really believed in a story about Jesus, a story about passion and purpose and fighting for justice. When I realized I could use the same skills I had learned in the theater world to actually speak a message that God placed on my life, man, that was like game over for me. And it became this like, hi, I loved it. I mean, I can honestly say I never feel more in the center of God's will for my life than when I'm on a stage preaching. And it's not mm. about the stage. It's not about the room. It's, it's about this idea that I have been, I believe, called to use my voice to talk about Jesus. Um, I love telling stories about Jesus. I just do. And so when I get that opportunity, um, I love it. And so I don't know if it's a fear or an anxiety, um, but I, I know it's a... Um, there, there is this um, burden almost before I speak. And I think... Sometimes that can feel heavy, but if I didn't have it, I would be more concerned because it is an honor. It is a privilege. It is a call to be able to use your voice, um, to, to speak about the truths of Jesus. I mean, that's a big responsibility. Mm. And so I want to always have that. And honestly, I'm really grateful because there are some seasons in my, in my speaking when, you know, it's been a really busy season of speaking and you're going from, you know, location to location and you're giving maybe the same talks at different places. And there have been multiple times when people, especially the person who does it the most for me is my boyfriend. And, um, Aaron is so good at just reminding me before I get up to speak, Hey, these people are here and God is ordained for you to speak truth to them. So take it seriously, Mm. you know, and it's so good that reset of saying, okay, I understand. I need to remind myself, this is not just my job. This is not just something I do because it's on my, on my bio. No, this is a calling on my life that God has asked me to use my voice to communicate truth. And so, um, yeah, I definitely feel like there's a burden, there's a heaviness and I Mm. definitely feel a lot of attack. Um, like 24 hours before I speak, yeah. um, which is, which is, um, which is also a joy and, um, and a burden to bear, you know? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Miss Hannah Granowski. You can check out her book, Generation Distinct, wherever books are sold. You can pre-order it now on Amazon. It's an amazing book. I can't wait for you guys to get a hold of it. Hannah, thank you so much for joining us here on the show today. And we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much for having me. What happens when a writer and former history teacher goes toe-to-toe with his best friend, a nationally touring stand-up comedian? Total carnage, that's what. Two men enter, and two men leave, because that's how it works. (laughs) Actually, you get hilarious, real, and insightful conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. Join me, comedian Johnny W., and my pal, author, and speaker John Driver for Talk About That at LifeAudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.